Hello there, it's Martin. This is part two of an episode where a wine and cheese expert takes me on a tour of Europe through my mouth. You can listen to part one if you really want, but you can start here. Up to you. Enjoy! Welcome to All Points In Between, the travel podcast that always forgets its sun cream. We're back for another part of wine and cheese and travelling across various bits of Europe with my brother in tow. Well, I don't say really in tow, the guy who is towing me, I suppose, (laughs) Andrew. Hello, Martin. Thank you for having me back on the show. So we're back for part two now. We have another bottle of wine set up. We have a few more cheeses. We're going to be continuing our trip south through Europe. Andrew, can you perhaps begin with just talking me through what what is your background in wine and how how you've ended up picking these things out? So, as I mentioned in the last episode, I've been working at the Delicatessen in Heathfield for the last four years. I've quit there now, but it... But as part of the training there, I was obligated to learn a lot more about cheese, wine, and we were able to, um, during COVID, where we had a bit of a lull in practice, we were able to do online courses for uh, an Italian wine scholarship. So I I completed the introductory level and grief. There, there was a lot. <laughs> there was a lot of information there. I've forgotten. I've forgotten a more than I care to admit but what I was able to take away from it were a few tasting notes on what to look for in a wine what to take away from it and pair with what you're having for example you want your deep red red wines to go with your deep red meats you want your white wines to go with dry with something a bit more sharp say fish and softer like your Pinot Grigios with your smoother pastas that kind of thing and then you and then um there's all well as you can imagine every vineyard will have their own varieties of grape which each impart their own nuanced flavor into wines and because you can pretty much combine the grapes in any ratio in any in any combination really you end up with an infinite number of combinations so when you go into your wine aisle on at your local supermarket you see lots of varieties of wines that that barely scratches the surface you could have an uh, a superstore size wine shop and with and just one bottle of each wine on all the shelves and you you still wouldn't get anywhere close to what the world has to offer so the so the vineyard so the vineyards and the wine industry in total is a very competitive market everybody wants to have that reputation of this is the wine you have so we're doing so we're doing these uh, producers quite a favor last week we were well last episode even uh we were yeah the episodes come out pretty <laughs> irregularly so it might be last week it might be yesterday all right okay the uh, the last episode we had the Inamas Campo de Torvi Suave Classico, which is um... can, can you say that a little bit slower? <laughs> I I did not get that. The Campo de Torvi uh, Suave Classico, which is the grape, 
by the producer Inanna from uh, Veneto in northern Italy. The this uh, this episode we are pulling on a red that's going to pair well with the two more cheeses and then the final surprise cheese as well. This is the Chuchu Piccino, which um, is the one that caused me to have a bit of an existential crisis is, is when it, I first is started it, working. Is it from Chattanooga? No. So, no, it's not, it so it's not the Chattanooga Choo Choo? No, sadly not. That, although there is, I'm fairly sure that's not been done. So any American listeners that you have, get, get, um, get buying grapes, grow your vineyards. You know, there, there's a niche market yeah. there for people well, who love the pun. Well, the way that this one is spelled is C-I and then U with the funny little dash over it. <laughs> which, as far as we understand, is pronounced Choo Choo. Mm, indeed. Uh, it, this one is from Mar- Marquis, um, the uh, Marche, oh, I, I forget which, which pronunciation is the correct one. It's the east coast of um, Italy on the Adriatic Sea. And the Adriatic offers a nice uh, salt wind uh, that comes in from the coast. So you get a lot of a, uh, a, lot of a deeper flavour as a result of the salt that permeates into the soil and filters the water that comes up through. So we're going to... The tobacco smoke blown across from Serbia helps. <laughs> I guess. Well, actually, you say that. There's actually something in the notes about that. So I'll... Uh... What, about Serbia? <laughs> no, not, not about Serbia, but certainly about um, some of the flavours that you can look for in this. So... Oh, there you go. I should have done me bit a bit later. Oh, well. <laughs> Uh, okay, so, um, so so last last time we, I had to put my fingers around the bottom of the glass and give it a swirl mm-hmm. until it started clouding up. What am I supposed to do this time? Okay, well because red you don't chill. You serve them at well, room temperature, but because um, in the modern twenty first century we have central heating and nice insulated walls, the idea is to um, is to serve them at 14 degrees Celsius, give or take one or two, because houses used to be a lot colder in those days. But um, for all intents and purposes for today, we'll, um, we'll forego that. But you still want to get a nice swirl on the glass. And Some then... more ASMR for people. Sleep. Sleep. <laughs> and then introduce it to your nose. So, what do you smell? Say, what do you smell? (laughs) You're going to say wine again, aren't you? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Go on, give it a a try. If you had to compare it to anything that was not wine. Okay, if it smells like anything that isn't wine. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say pine, but because I'm probably only saying that because pine sounds like wine. Uh, you may be was, detect- was, I, was I on the right track with something woody? Well, you well you're actually pretty close. Um, it would be oak aged, oak barrel aged. So yeah, you've um, so you may well have picked up on the oak tones of it. Ha ha! So well done, very good. Yes, I'm learning. <laughs> Another thing to look out for in this in this wine is uh, black and red fruits. So your plums, your berries. And you can pick that up from the smell, but also from the taste. Okay, so idiot question, but mm. it doesn't actually have plums and berries in it, does it? No, it's um, it's a characteristic of the red grape, and um, the um, 
Of course, it, well, actually, the um, Choo Choo Pacino is actually a combination of three different ones. The Pinot Noir grape, the Sangiovese, and the Multipuciano. So, <clears throat> yep, Sang- I, I, I love the accent you just did on that last one. Multipuciano. Si. Yeah, exactly. It is an Italian... Uh, uh, the Sangiovese and Multipuciano are Italian grapes. The Pinot Noir is a French grape. The uh, Sangiovese. And so that you might just want to slow down a little bit. You're talking quite <laughs> quick there. <laughs> Sorry, I, I get a bit carried away. So the Sangiovese and Multipuciano are Italian grapes, and the Pinot Noir is a French French grape grown in Italian soil. It, it, you will you'll always find people who will go ah that's not true because actually it's from you know the the uh wine connoisseur equivalent of neckbeards but they'll okay. never have neckbeards oh okay <laughs> but the um the, the handlebar moustaches oh yes that that will do quite nicely but um some listeners may recognize sangiovese because that is very popular in chiantis it, it most chiantis will be a hundred percent sangiovese so the deepness, the deep Fa- taste. Famous, famously good for drinking with human flesh. The odd thing is, it's probably not wrong. There was actually a doctor who, um, in the late nineteenth century, who um, want who wanted to know what it tasted like, and so originally. I, I love how you've just gone into an academic analysis of my bit there. <laughs> about how it is great to have with human flesh but carry on (laughs) carry on the thing is you're not you might not be far off because um there was a doctor at the end of the 19th century who wanted to know what human meat tasted like but of course he didn't want to resort to cannibalism so he he traveled to that's um, what that's what placentas are for isn't it god um no he didn't resort to that so he um I think I think you travelled I think you travelled around to find a cannibalistic tribe a, a peaceful cannibalistic tribe, and he had had an interpreter with him to talk to like the chief priests that were there, and try to get a well a description. But the priest didn't quite understand the context that the doctor was going with. He so the priest gave answers like oh it tasted of his courage because um the reason they ate um human meat was to honour their dead so in order to revitalise them within themselves so it's more of a context thing they weren't really they weren't really going for mouthfeel yeah yeah they were going a lot more um, spiritual and um, uh, yeah is this is this the group who described humans as long pig uh no is that somebody else no those are actual cannibals who eat um human meat for the taste so probably the probably closer to uh, the kind of people that doctor was looking for i i'm i'm loving this tangent on <laughs> on a on a on a travel show talking about different world foods and when they're talking about human flesh well, the thi- <laughs> i'm i'm loving it the thing the thing is the um the doctor eventually conceded and thought right okay i'm not going to be able to get a straight answer out of anybody because anyone who is going to give me the answer i want is must be a lunatic or the or they're not going to give me the answer i'm looking for so he goes to a morgue he goes to a morgue bribes a mortician and gets a bit of seriously yeah yeah i i i'd need to i'd need to look it up i I do remember this story and it's um that's homework for you listeners look this story up and tell me if this is actually real because this sounds nuts uh but he he um had a bit of 
Um, he had a bit of human meat cut. I think it was from thigh or the thigh of the rump. Bit where of, there is rump, pretty much bit bit of rump steak. Yeah, yeah. and um, he took it out and he stuck it home, lightly seasoned it, and ate it and made his notes. And he said it's like a dry venison. So yeah. to say That's that a, it would go so well with your Chianti is actually pretty accurate because you'd want your Chianti, your deep red flavour, to go with your deep red meat, like venison, like um, a, a very deep, rich beef. So next time I come across a deer that's been run over when I'm <laughs> driving in my van and, you know, after I've um, done all the work on it, cleaned it up, um, I have a shower room in my van. It works quite well as a drip tray, but I should be having a Chianti with that next yeah. time I do it. Yeah, you want your deep. You want a nice, deep, um, deep complimentary <coughs> drink. Which, um, speaking of, this Choo Choo Pacino yeah. should yeah, it's been, give it's a been, nice. It's been sat here in the glass now for a little while while we went on that tangent, so it should be oh, nice and aerated. Yeah, then. exactly. You want a nice aerated red. Yeah, and how better to aerate your wine than having a tangent about cannibalism? <laughs> mm. So. So yes, you should so be... what tastes am I getting there? So what we're... The common consensus of it, of course, everybody's taste buds are slightly different, so everybody picks up different things, but the general the generalisation is black fruits, red fruits, a bit of a dryness to it, um, oak, as you detected earlier, but also uh, hints of vanilla and chocolate. I, I personally don't yeah. get the vanilla and chocolate myself, but the black and red fruits uh, really come through a lot for me. I think I... I think I did get that more, yeah, that sort of deeper, richer taste. Um, not not so much the vanilla side of things, but I don't think it would be unreasonable Maybe. to say I got a bit of a chocolatey aftertaste. sensation. Aftertaste. aftertaste, yeah, definitely an aftertaste. Yeah, like a dark chocolate rather than a milk chocolate, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yes. Okay, well. It's so, next cheese. Yes, so this is the Gorgonzola Dolce. We have two Gorgonzolas to try today. The Gorgonzola Dolce is from, well, both the Gorgonzolas are from the uh, north of, central north of Italy, from uh, Milan, Lombardy, and the Gorgonzola is, Dolce... Is, Gor is Gorgonzola a regional thing? Does yes. it only come from that bit of it? It's a little bit like champagne can only come from the champagne yes, region. Yes, it's protected Gorgonzola. It's protected origin. Okay. So, the Gorgonzola Dolce is only aged for... A little over a month, about forty-five days. Oh wow! So this was this was coming out of a cow's udder less, less than, than two months, months ago. ago. Less than two months ago. Yeah. Okay. And um, I have another really stupid question. Mm -hmm. Both of these cheeses. So this one we're having now, the one we're going to have in a moment. They're both the they, gorgonzola. They have the they have the stripes in them, the blue mm -hmm. veins. Mm. What is the blue? What what is that? It's it's um mold. <laughs> it, it it is mold, but it's um it's essentially pen it's essentially penicillin really. It's um it's complete it's completely harmless to humans and it, well I mean I'd imagine after so many years of people having it. Well yeah, well, I was wondering what what does it add to the taste? Well, if you have a if you have a taste, you'll find out. Hmm. So. Yeah, I understand it adds a, a bit of a sharpness to the taste. There you go. 
um, where where is that? Where's that coming from? Well, the the way that they introduce the blue into a lot of cheeses is they'll spike the cheeses. They literally ram a metal rod in in and um, and extract it. You get it with um, every blue cheese. You've got it in your Stiltons and um, and your Gorgonzola. Any blue cheese that you see on the shelf will have been spiked, especially the ones that have marbled the way these ones have. You can have a blue cheese that you don't spike, and that um, allow and those ones are curious because you end up with a little bit of marbling in there where there are natural pockets of air left over from the um, age from the pressing and the aging process but you'll end up with a much more creamier sensation whereas allowing the blue to form gives it that little bit of sharpness and the gorgonzola dolce because it's not aged for as long but still retains a lot of the creaminess so you end up with a nice um uh, contrast of the creep and the smooth creaminess but also the tang and sharpness that the blue introduces so when you introduce it with your wine with this fairly smooth tasting wine mm. so that's a little bit like when we were talking last last episode when we were having our very mild cheese and we had quite a sharp wine with this you have quite a tasty cheese and you want quite a smooth wine with it to mm. even it out so the um, Chuchu Pacino wine does have a dryness to it which should cut through the creaminess of the Gorgonzola Dolce. Yeah, it sure does. Mm, indeed. However, the and that will come from the uh, Molto Pociano, which is a great which is a great popular in northern Italy. And then what we're going for with the final cheese, which is the Gorgonzola Picante, which is aged for um uh better part of six to twelve months depending on depending on their season is that why it's less runny yes it is okay so yeah for listeners the cheese that we've just been eating has well what's left of it has basically run all across the board that we've placed them on whereas the other one is well looks like a block of cheese but mm. yeah that's that's why that's happened is yeah. it yeah, pretty much. Um, because uh, a lot of the lactose and moisture hasn't um, evaporated or drained away, so. Oh, excuse me. The um, that's okay. That won't be edited out. <laughs> the um, and so yeah, the the longer you age a cheese, the harder it will get, and um, you can make cheeses even harder by cutting curds, cutting the curds, a l- even more so. Cheddar has. Cheddar is, is a reference to the method where you cut the curds three times. That's it. No, no, it's not. It's named after the region of the UK. It's um, you know, there is a town called Cheddar that it's from. Yeah, yeah. So it's not it's not named after the method. It's named after the town and where the people who develop the method come from. Well, from that town, but it's named after the town. <laughs> if it was named after the method, it would be called cheese that had the curds cut out of it. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, fair, fair point, fair point. But you, you get the idea. Yeah, you get the idea. <laughs> it's a protect, it's a protected technique. Okay. So um, we'll move on to the last, well, second to last cheese because we've got a surprise cheese. Surprise cheese. Surprise cheese. I mean, who who doesn't like a bit of surprise cheese? <clears throat> so that that is the way to my heart is cheese. <laughs> you hear that, ladies? 
Surprise cheese, that's the way to his art. Okay, so let's uh, cut one for you. Now you can either um, go raw with this or have it on a cracker. I'm going to have it on a cracker myself. I will follow your advice and I will also go for a cracker then. Mm. Didn't that sound good? <laughs> You've ended up with crumbs all in the microphone though. <laughs> yeah, we now have crumbs on the microphone. Yeah. I bet you enjoyed that too. <laughs> okay, so, um, yeah, the the crackers we've got are Forts Bath Olivers, so they're fairly plain, so, but so they've got a bit of... So Forts Bath Forts Olivers. Bath Olivers, yes. Okay. Yeah, so let's have a go. Is the deep breath you just took, is that part of it, or is that, were you just struggling to breathe? I was enjoying it. Ah, okay. I, I didn't know if it was a bit like... <laughs> so I was cutting my mouth there. I don't know if it was a bit like when you drink wine sometimes and you do that weird sucking noise. Mm. <laughs> no, I mean, you theoretically you can do that with food as well, but it's a bit more... Um disgusting yeah yeah that's a yeah that's a pretty blunt way of putting it so i've decided to spare you from uh, such um things today because I, I know how much they wind you up yeah oh well it's okay you can asmr our listeners with a bit of sucking on your wine oh. this oh. this is this is what i have to live with when i'm back in england people mm. If you're interested in my I, technique... I, I, also, I also can't do that without it all pouring down my face. Mm. The trick to that is um, having a small amount of wine rather than a big mouthful and then slightly tilting your head forward so it's just lapping against your lips and before you even open your mouth you're already trying to suck in through your mouth and then you're just using an ever so slight gap in your lips to allow the air in but timing it to make sure that you don't run out of lung capacity at, as well as keeping your head down so the wine and what's, out. And what's the point of doing it other than that you look disgusting when you do it? <laughs> it aerates the wine in your mouth so you end up with a whole atmosphere within your mouth that travels up um, through your pharynx and up into your nasal canals the back way and that... Um, gives a really strong flavour of the wine and it is I find it particularly potent in red wines but I know people who do it with white wines and your ports and um, or there's that one person I knew who did it with beer once but I don't know why they did that because of course it would froth up and just end up coming out your nose but... apart from anything else beer already has plenty of air in it yeah that too so I, I think I think that person was just trying to show off that day but anyway that's a that's a story for another time it sure is. Yeah. Right, time for some mystery cheese. Mystery cheese, I shall be right back. So we're on to mystery cheese time now. As I said, the last time I presented a mystery food on this podcast, it was duck tongues. So I don't know if Andrew has something equally competitive to put forward to me. <laughs> I'm assuming that, given that it's a mystery cheese, it's going to be an interesting one, but... Andrew, show me your mystery cheese. Presenting for your delectation and be ready. The, <laughs> mo the Morbier. 
the Morbier. That is a fairly strong cheese. I, mm. If I'm honest, I was expecting... So, we're from Sussex. Um, there is a cheese here called Stinking Bishop. I was expecting the Stinking Bishop. So, it's 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 less... It didn't knock me out in the way that that does. Sadly, I did ask, but they didn't have it at the time. That's it's particularly more available at, around Christmas. A lot more people enjoy Stinking Bishop at Christmas. Well, and you I need was something. Also... Well, you need something to knock you out during those family dinners, don't you? <laughs> it, it really does. If anybody finds some Stinking Bishop, it knocks you straight out. Yeah. So this is the Morbier, which is from. Um, Com the Comte in just north of Geneva, so southern France, and Gen uh, Geneva, yeah. Switzerland. Sorry, um, uh, no, this is it. This is um, this is yes. France. It's just it's on the other side of the border. No, oh, okay, so it's on yeah. the yeah, it's on the border with yeah. Switzerland. Okay, yeah. So you'll notice that the Morbier has a black line running through it. Yes. Yep, so the ones that we were trying earlier, those Gorgonzolas, they had a bit more of a marbled pattern with their blue, whereas this one just has a single stripe that runs through the middle. Yes, so the story behind that one is the dairy, when they originally produced it, their milk went into creating the Fontina cheese, the internationally renowned Fontina, and the first milkings let's, of the day... Let's, let's just move past that, because I've not heard of it, ah, but anyway... The, yeah, really nice that, for melting if you ever I'm, come across it. I'm, I'm the, sure our listeners are more sophisticated than I am. <laughs> anyway. But the first and last milkings of the day were always uh, not, not unusable, but always a bit of problem batches because either the either the cow was um, too early or too late in the day for the milking. So what the producers did was get about the first milkings and take la la the last milking of the day and fill up a container truckle halfway and then to preserve it would um sprinkle ashes on it now they now in, originally this would have been any ashes they could they could get their hands on today though is vegetable Le ashes yeah in the past leftover bonfire <laughs> yeah quite possibly quite possibly <laughs> And then um, they would take the morning milking and put that on top, and then that would complete the truckle. And, and that, that gives you your line. And that's what gives the line, yes. And um, then, of course, this is another rind-washed cheese, so that's where the odour comes from. I know it's not as potent as, say, the stinking bishop, or, in fact, the one that's illegal on the French underground, which is the Epois. Now, that has a nose to it. That is phenomenal. So presumably you can only get that in France no, if you, you can... like go to a farm. No, you can get that over here. You, um, the, del the deli will sell it if you specially order it in, but they they won't buy too much of it because it surprise surprise it's not overly popular. I I can't imagine. So it's one of those cheeses where people won't come into your shop if you're selling it at the time. It will stink the shop out. Well, that's the that's the benefit of modern day refrigeration. Refrigeration really numbs, nulls the uh, odor and smell. I mean, um, before getting the, uh, I before recording and we started on these cheeses, I got these cheeses out of the fridge about forty minutes before recording. That allows them to reach a more ambient room temperature, and that allows their flavors to permeate it, and rise. It allows the smell to really start getting disgusting as we go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, again, you can either um, just go with it from the from the rind, or you can have it on a cracker, one or the other. 
I'll just um, I'll just eat this one with my fingers, mm. and I presume I'm supposed to get a nice big bite yeah. with the line of ash running through the middle. You can do, yeah, yeah. So get a good nose of it as well. Now, mm. when you said surprise cheese, I was expecting something that would knock my sense of smell and taste out for the next fortnight. <laughs> but I think that might actually be my favourite of the bunch. I don't know if that's whether you kept it as a surprise, because it happens to be your favourite, but I... Before this, I was going from the for the Goyen from the previous episode as being my favourite, but <laughs> I I do like this. It's hard, and I prefer hard cheeses. Yeah, but, but it's, not, it's not overly hard. It's got a kind of a slight elasticity to it, and a yeah. slight soft. Kind, kind in, of like in fact, in fact, it's the cheese closest to cheddar, which is probably why I like it. <laughs> Yeah, and then it, it, the pungency um, gives way to its richness and creaminess, and I, I, I thought you'd like it. I thought you'd like it. Again, I can't really describe the taste beyond nice. Can <laughs> can you explain to me what I'm tasting? Well, uh, what you should be picking up on is a slight um, acidity, the pungency of... Um, uh, <laughs> I don't want to use the the uh, simile uh, mouldy feet but it but they're Mold, but mouldy feet's enough. fine I, um, to be fair I was surprised that you know neither of us have referenced smegma before now so yeah I'm quite <laughs> I'm, I'm quite happy with mouldy feet no well bear, bear in mind I mean the, the cheeses that I've brought today are some of the best sellers that went when I was working at the shop and it and um, you yeah, shops will rarely sell like obnoxiously bad cheeses because it, well folks don't buy them no folks Unle don't, unless folk don't it, buy them unless it's for a stupid podcast or the dare yeah which um, how few and far between is that especially, especially for a small business I mean uh, you'd, yeah. you'd be better off trying to find something from a supermarket or better yet try to make your own yeah mm. no they they have all been pretty delightful cheeses then mm. I've always been a cheese person generally but that has been good for me to see a bit of what you can see in terms of travelling and taste a bit of the rest of the world because mm. I do have a bit of a tendency to just go for whatever is cheapest and easiest which tends to be rast, pasta or rice or chicken and I think it is certainly as someone who travels around a lot it's something that I should do more of is appreciating the food of the places that I'm going to. Yeah, I hope you've enjoyed it, and we've got plenty of this cheese left over, so help yourself to it while we're oh. while you're staying with us. Oh, very much so. I think we're going to head off now and spend the rest of the evening gorging ourselves on cheese and finishing some bottles of wine. Woo! It's been really good having you, Andrew. Can you remind us where we got all this delicious food from, just in case anybody happens to be travelling through Sussex and fancies giving it a go? Yes, I can. This all came from Kukolo Deli on Heathold High Street, 69 Heathold High Street, and they do a national overnight shipping. Um, you can find them on their website and go into the shop. The staff there are really helpful, really friendly. They really know their stuff, and they will be able to if talk you, you through. If you do say so, so yourself, 
I used to work there. I haven't worked there in about six months now. So, but yeah, Car oh, Carla and Marco though they're the they're the they're the well the the two managers who are running it now. And yeah, you've never met friendlier people. And of course, it, Ita Italian by birth, both of them. So they really know the authenticity of all the Italian produce. They yeah, they can definitely give you the full Italian experience. I think that'll do us for these two episodes. Had some good wines, talked a little bit about travelling. I think we've ended up talking more about cannibalism than travelling, if I'm honest. But it's a free podcast and we'll be going back to doing more travelling stuff in the future. In the meantime, I will leave it at that. So it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from... Andrew, thank you. Thank you very much. Speak to you soon. I've really enjoyed myself. I've had some nice cheeses. I've got nicely drunk on some wine. And I think... Hang on. I, I can do a better ending than that. <coughs> I've got shit-faced on wine and cheese. Basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>